Blog Talk Radio. Final Word podcast tonight as we celebrate the 28 black films that everyone must see for Black History Month. We'll be airing a new episode of this series each night at 8 p.m. 5 p.m. Pacific. Each film we feature is a must-see as it reflects the real-life circumstances that many black people have experienced or can relate to. Watch as these films represent a community with a rich and significant contribution to the world. These movies are in no particular order, don't see a particular movie on the list? Email us at thefinalwordpodcast at yahoo.com. We'll be returning to our previous Sunday night format to discuss current events, politics, and hot button issues soon, so stay tuned. Thank you to all the listeners and members of both our Facebook discussion page at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the final word podcast and our almost 30,000 Twitter followers at the final word POD who kept the conversation going during our hiatus. And special thanks to all our listeners at home who join us live or download our shows through blogtalkradio.com or our platform on iTunes. I'm Angel, your host of the Final Word Podcast. Listeners on blogtalkradio.com can call in tonight and share their thoughts live at 347-826-7899. 347-826-7899. And let's see who gets the final word. Tonight's film, 1997's. Eve's Bayou. Memory is a selection of images, some elusive, others printed indelibly on the brain. Daddy loves you so much. I know. We'll dance at every party. Each image is like a thread. Each thread woven together to make a tapestry of intricate texture. When I first met Lewis, I said to myself, he's a healer, he'll take care of me. Do you still love her? Men fought each other for the privilege of speaking her name. And the tapestry tells a story. And to find out he's just a man. You're in trouble. They're really mad. Who, them? <laughs> they always mad. And the story is our past. I'll never forgive you if you drive him away. Summer I killed my father. I was ten years old. I saw Daddy. What? Daddy and Mrs. Moreau. Don't you lie. What's wrong with her? Oh, she'll be all right. Have you told anyone? Because if you tell, I swear I'll do you all. You know I love my sister, but she's not unfamiliar with the inside of a mental hospital. 
Which one of your patients you gonna see, Louis? What's wrong with that lady? Some illness hard to put a finger on. Not every night he's not working. I know he's not. She thinks I'm driving you away. She's a child, Ross. How do you kill someone with voodoo? I put his hair inside the wax coffin. Buried it in the graveyard. That's ridiculous. You want to face the dead. But you can't kill people with voodoo. Sometimes a soldier falls on his own sword. You speak to my wife again, and I will kill you. Over the course of a long, hot Louisiana summer, a 10-year-old black girl, Eve Batiste, played by Journey Smollett, discovers that her family's affluent existence is merely a facade. The philandering of her suave doctor father, Louis, played by Samuel L. Jackson, creates a rift, throwing Eve's mother, Roz, played by Lynn Whitfield, and teenage sister, Cicely, played by Megan Good, into emotional turmoil. Eve, though, manages to find some solace with her quirky, psychic aunt, Moselle, played by Debbie Morgan. Memory is a selection of images, some elusive, others printed indelibly on the brain. The summer I killed my father, I was ten years old. With those opening words, Eve's bayou coils back into the past, into the memories of a child who grew up in a family both gifted and flawed, and tried to find her own way to the truth. The words explain the method of the film. This will not be a simple-minded story that breathlessly races from A to B. It is a selection of memories, filtered through the eyes of a young girl who doesn't understand everything she sees, and filtered, too, through the eyes of her older sister, and through the eyes of an aunt who can foretell everyone's future except her own. did the counseling, I could look at people, complete strangers, and see their whole lives so clear. But I looked at each of my husbands, never saw a thing. That's the way it always is, blind to my own life. 
Vivian, now go and make yourself invisible for a while. If you're quiet, you'll be able to hear. As these images unfold, unfold, we're drawn into the same process Eve has gone through. We, too, are trying to understand what happened in that summer of 1962 when Eve's handsome, dashing father, a doctor and womanizer, took one chance too many. And we want to understand what happened late one night between the father and Eve's older sister in a moment that was over before it began. We want to know because the film makes it perfectly possible that there is more than one explanation. Eve's Bayou studies the way that dangerous emotions can build up until something happens that no one is responsible for and that can never be taken back. All of these moments unfold in a film of astonishing maturity and confidence. Eve's Bayou, one of the very best films of that year, is the debut of its writer and director, Cassie Lemons. Cassie might be familiar to some viewers. She was the girlfriend in Candyman. Remember? Bernadette. That was her name. She was also Clarice Starling's friend, the other FBI trainee in Silence of the Lambs. She sets her story in southern Gothic country. In the bayous, and old Louisiana traditions that Tennessee Williams might have been familiar with. But in tone and style, she earns comparison with the family dramas of Ingmar Bergman. That Lemons can make a film this good on the first try is like a rebuke to established filmmakers. The story is told through the eyes of Eve Baptiste, Fiery Truthfulness, by Journée Smollett. Her family is descended from a slave, also named Eve who saved her master's life and was rewarded with her freedom and with 16 children. In 1962, the Batistes are the premier family in their district. Living in a big old mansion surrounded by rivers and swampland, Eve's father, Louis, Samuel L. Jackson, is a local doctor. Her mother, Roz, Lynn Whitfield, is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen, according to Eve. Her sister Cicely is on the brink of adolescence and the apple of her father's eye. Eve watches unhappily at a party and afterward asks her father, Daddy, why don't you ever dance with me? Living with them is an aunt, Moselle, who has lost three husbands. Quote, is not unfamiliar with the inside of a mental hospital and has the gift of telling fortunes. You're too young to understand. But when I was with Hosea, it was like my whole body was burning. I'd come home, I'd have to rub ice on my face and neck to cool down. If Maynard knew, he never said a word. And then one night, Hosea showed up at the door. He said, pack your bags, woman. I've come to take you with me. And God help me. I pushed past my startled husband. I was going upstairs to pack my bags when I heard Maynard say in a tone I'd never heard him use. I don't care who you are, sir. 
But if you don't leave my house at once, I will hurt you. And I turn just in time to see Hosea pull the gun out and aim it at Maynard. I'm in love with your wife. And if you try to stop us, I'll kill you. Maynard walked right up and pushed his chest in the barrel of that gun. And he said, Well then, You'll have to kill me because my wife ain't going nowhere. Oh, Eve. In that moment, I knew that I loved Maynard. He was so calm and and brave, and it was Hosea who was trembling. Maynard said, Moselle. Tell this man you ain't going nowhere with him so he can get the hell out of my house. Mama was standing in the doorway of the kitchen and she was holding her heart like this. I walked slowly over. next to my husband and I looked at my lover this man who had lit this great fire in me and I said please leave our house I never want to see you again Jose's eyes went another color and he stopped trembling he looked right at me And he shot Maynard in the chest. Dr. Batiste is often away from home on house calls, some of them legitimate, some excuses for his philandering. He is a weak, but not a bad man, and not lacking in insight. Quote, to a certain type of woman, I'm a hero, he says. I need to be a hero. Samuel L. Jackson really does great performance in this. On the night her father did not dance with her, Eve steals away to a barn and falls asleep, only to awaken and see her father, apparently making love to another man's wife. Eve tells Cicely, who says she was mistaken, and the doubt over this incident will echo later, on another night when much depends on whether Cicely was herself mistaken. Lemons surrounds her character with a rich setting. There's a marketplace dominated by the stalls of farmers and fishermen and by the presence of a voodoo woman, played by the legendary Diane Carroll, whose magic may or may not be real. Stay quiet and wait. Wait. Sometimes a soldier falls on his own sword. In three years' time, you will be happy again. Look to your children. Dala. That's it? 
Just wait three years and everything will be fine. Look to your children. Thank you. I feel most enlightened this afternoon. Black widow. Next man who marries you is a dead man, like the others. Always be that way. So much. Certainly, Aunt Moselle's gift is real. Her prophecies have a terrifying accuracy. As when she tells a woman her missing son will be found in a Detroit hospital on Tuesday. But Moselle can't foresee her own life. Quote, I looked at each of my husbands, she says, and never saw a thing. All three died. So when a handsome painter comes into the neighborhood and Moselle knows she has found true love at last, she is afraid to marry him. Because it has been prophesied that any man who marries her will die One hell of a prophecy, right? The film was photographed by Amy Vincent in Shadows and Rich Texers, where even a sunny day contains dark undertones. Surely she looked at the Bergman films photographed by Sven Nykvist in preparing her approach. There is a scene of pure magic as Moselle tells Eve the story of the death of one of her husbands who was shot by her lover. The woman and the girl stand before a mirror regarding the scene from the past, and then Moselle slips out of the shot and reappears in the past. There is also great visual precision in the scenes involving the confused night when the doctor comes home drunk and Cicely goes downstairs to comfort him. What exactly happened? We get two accounts and we see two versions. And the film is too far complex and thoughtful to try to reduce the episode to a simple formula like sexual abuse. What happens lasts only a second and is charged with many possibilities of misinterpretation, all of them prepared for by what has gone before. Eve's Bayou resonates in the memory. It called me back for a second and third viewing. If it is not nominated for Academy Awards then the Academy is not paying attention. And it wasn't. (laughs) For the viewer, it is a reminder that sometimes films can venture into the realms of poetry and dreams. After Eve has a confusing, confusing vision of something terrible happening, Moselle informs her that the gift of second sight runs in their family. Meanwhile, Eve, angered by her father's infidelity, begins to tease Maddie Moreau's husband, Lenny, with her knowledge about it. Maddie Moreau is the woman that Louis was sleeping with 
in the barn in the beginning of the film. One day, Cicely confides in Eve the secret of why she's been so moody. One night, after their parents had a vicious argument, Cicely went to comfort her father, and he, drunk, attempted to molest her. Enraged, Eve seeks out a local witch, Elzora, and commissions a voodoo spell to put a fatal curse on her father. Are you related to Mademoiselle Baptiste? I'm her niece. And she's the one you want dead? No, someone else. Mm. Too bad. Mm. Why you want this person dead? Cofer. Raison privé. This person harm you? Others in my family. I will give you something to protect you and your family from this person. I want him dead. Mon élément! For certain, you are sure? Yes, ma'am. People have a way of dying at their own speed. But I will see what I can do. I will need some hair from the head of this person. I brought you some. I'm a call. I hope it's enough, though. Well, if yes. Oh, but don't be too eager. You come back Thursday night, and we will see. Eve is under the impression that she's going to receive a voodoo doll of her father. When returning to the witch to get her doll, she's informed that there is no doll and that a curse has been placed on her father. In an attempt to save him, Eve rushes to bring her father home, finding him in a bar chatting with Maddie Moreau. At the same time, a drunken Lenny arrives to take Maddie home. After a confrontation, Lenny and Maddie leave the bar, and Lenny tells Louis that if he talks to Maddie again, he will kill him. After Louis says bye to Maddie, Lenny shoots and kills Louis. You fucking my wife? Don't be ridiculous, Lenny. You fucking her? You're drunk. You like her? She's very beautiful. Fucking her? Lenny, Maddie and I are old friends. You know that as well as anyone. I trusted you, Louis. And you've been fucking Maddie. I love you, Lenny. Come on, Daddy. Go home. Daddy, you're drunk, baby. Let me take you home. Listen, you so much to speak to my wife again. And I will kill you. Do you understand? Gentlemen, take it outside. Let's get the hell Maddie. 
After her father's funeral, Eve soon finds a letter which her father wrote to Moselle, disputing the accusations. In it, he claims that Sicily had come to him that night and kissed him, first as a daughter and then as a lover. In his drunken state, he reacted violently, slapping her and pushing her to the ground, which made her angry with him. Eve confronts Sicily and uses her second psych gift to try and discover what really happened. It ends with the sisters holding hands, gazing at the sunset. Louisiana's Delta country has never looked more darkly, luminously sensual than it does in Eve's Bayou. A Southern Gothic soap opera that transcends the genre through the sheer rumbling force of its characters' passions. This powerfully acted supernatural fever dream, which suggests Tennessee Williams filtered through Oprah with a, soup, with a dash of voodoo, explores the ties that bind the women of the Batiste family, an affluent black clan who live what at first appears to be a robust, robust fairy tale existence in a stingy paradise. Life is filled with goodbyes, Eve, a million goodbyes, and it hurts every time. Sometimes I feel like I've lost so much I have to find new things to lose. All I know is there must be a divine point to it all, and it's just over my head. That when we die, it will all come clear, and we'll say, so that was the damn point. And sometimes I think there's no point at all, and that's the point. All I know is most people's lives are a great disappointment to and no one leaves this earth without feeling terrible pain. And if there is no divine explanation at the end of it all, oh, that's sad. How do you kill someone with voodoo? <laughs> I almost forgot you was there. I mean... Do you just wish real hard that they were dead? Or do you have to do something special? I suppose you put some of that hay on a doll and stick pins in it or something. I really don't know. What makes you ask a thing like that? Nothing. Oh, you must have been thinking something right before you were thinking that. What led you to that particular thought? I don't know. Is there someone around here that you're angry with? Someone that you want dead? I'm going inside. No, I think you better tell me what's on your mind. You have five seconds. Give me your Go on and keep secrets if you want to. I won't squeeze it out of you. But you can't kill people with voodoo. That's ridiculous.
summer she turned ten was the summer she killed her father. As that ominous confession echo through the story that follows you, you wonder what she means by killed and hope it is just a tricky metaphor for something other than mortality. For Louis is essentially sympathetic character, a popular, dedicated, loyal physician whose major weakness is his compulsive womanizing. It is during that elegantly rowdy bash so many years ago that Eve accidentally catches her father in a furtive assignation with a guest in a carriage house. She immediately becomes so distraught that she gives away her presence, and Louis, breaking away from the woman, desperately reassures Eve of his loyalty to the family. The letter she discovers that Louis had wrote, Moselle, was an interesting bookend to this film. It's been two hours since we spoke, and finally I feel calm enough to write this. I realize that your accusations, however shocking and cruel, stem from some weakness in myself that allows you to believe the worst of me. As you and I know, I'm just a small-town doctor pushing aspirin to the elderly. But to a certain type of woman, I'm a hero. I need to be a hero. That's my weakness. That much is true. But how, Moselle, could I have sunk in your estimation to the leachy depths where you would accuse me of deliberately abusing my most beloved child? I am guilty in the sense that I adore her, and I allowed her to adore me. It was a sweet indulgence, but nothing in her behavior prepared me for what happened on the night of the storm. Ralph and I had a terrible fight, and I guess it was inevitable. I knew Cecily could never sleep through a fight like that, so I wasn't surprised when she came downstairs. Maybe I was even waiting for her. I let myself wallow and feel your comfort. Moselle, I swear, the first kiss was the sweetest kiss the daughter give a drunk and guilt-ridden father a kiss of redemption. And the next moment it had gone wrong. From my scotch haze it took me a second to realize that my daughter was kissing me like a woman. This is where I blame myself. I was so startled that I hit her and she fell to the floor. The look she gave me almost stopped my heart. And I knew I had lost her. Moselle, I would give my life to have that moment back. I would hold her and comfort her. We would talk through her confusion and I would put her to bed with the boundaries between us intact. I love her more than my life. I hope that one day she can forgive me. The implications of Eve's discovery resound throughout the film as her innocence was shattered. Bayou is one of those movies that isn't necessarily very popular, but is such an interesting film. Similar to some of the movies we've already spoken about, it really does create this world for you. And it comes alive in a way that you'd imagine Cassie Lemons was a much more seasoned director than she was. 
This movie is available on Netflix. And if you follow us on Facebook, I provided a link if you'd like to watch the film. Definitely worth the watch if it comes on TV or you run across it. Eves by You sticks with you. It certainly has with me. Thank you for tuning in with us tonight on the Final Word Podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. We hope you'll tune in to our next installment of our Black History Month Film Festival series as we review 1997's Rosewood. You can reach out through us through social media on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the final word podcast on Twitter at the final word POD. And remember to follow us at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the final word podcast, where we provide you a place to stream or download current events, current and past shows onto your mobile device or computer. So tune into our next show and let's see who gets the final word. Good night, everybody.